Ave Maria Radio and Renewal Ministries presents Fire on the Earth, a compelling look at the new evangelization through inspiring teachings, interviews, and testimonies. Welcome, friends. This is Peter Herbeck, your host, and glad you're back with us uh, today. My guest once again is Rachel Herbeck, my daughter. She's my youngest. Uh, welcome, Rachel. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, and we're going to continue the theme from yesterday's liturgy and the celebration of the day, the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God, Blessed Virgin Mary. And so we kind of made our way through the first reading of the liturgy and the and the psalm response, responsorial psalm. And the second reading of the day is from Galatians chapter 4, which is really powerful. So mm-hmm. what are your th- I'll just read it. Actually, you can read it if you want, Rach. Starts uh, right with verse 4. Want to do that? Verse 4. 4 through 7 is what they have four here. 4 through 7. Maybe okay. one, what should we do is, does it start with verse 1, the, the overall reading? Would that help to put context into it? Or Maybe, yeah. yeah. So I'll just do, the, do 1 through 7. Okay, sounds good. So Paul says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no better than the slave, though he is the owner of all the estate. But he is under guardians and trustees until the date set by the father. So with us, when we were children, we were slaves to the elemental spirits of the universe. But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So through God, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Yeah, there's a lot there at the beginning. Paul's making an analogy, the heir and the slave. So the heir who's young, who's not yet ready to come into the fullness of receiving the the inheritance, is under a guardian or under a custodian. So he actually doesn't have the authority to exercise Mm -hmm. generally. That's the analogy. It's not a perfect analogy, but it's one that he's he's making with a slave. Mm -hmm. And so... If And also he's making a comparison that the people of Israel are under the law and therefore not fully free, that the burden of the law is upon them mm-hmm. and all the requirements of the law. Then there's the reality, too, that Paul talks about in other places, that the law, which was meant for good, mm-hmm. our good, ends up condemning us because the law sheds its light into our hearts and says, do you indeed love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, right. mind, and strength? Do you right. love your neighbor as yourself? And that kind of thing. But anyway, so he's talking about the immaturity and the custodian status of an heir. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah. And I think on, on the law piece, like Paul says, just to write, almost like just a paragraph above that in Galatians, says, now before faith came, we were confined under the law, kept under restraint until faith should be revealed. And I think for the Gentiles, right, listening, like we don't we don't often understand that Paul talks a lot about the law, right? But to think about for the Jews, their only hope for salvation before Jesus was to perfectly keep the law. You know, so you're that's also the burden of the law is the law shines its light into our hearts and reveals to us that we actually can't keep the law. You know, so it's like this whole almost this hopeless situation to say the only way for salvation, the only way to receive the inheritance before Jesus is to keep the law perfectly. And for the Jews, that was 613 of them, right? Yeah. And so to, and to keep offering sacrifice when you don't and you mess. So, so it's, it's to come from that. Paul's talking from that context as a rabbi to say, now what has come is Jesus comes and now through faith, Jesus has fulfilled the law, right? Because it doesn't mean that the law just goes away. Jesus has fulfilled the law. And now through faith, the burden of the law is no longer 
upon us because the burden of the law isn't what we carry for our salvation. And so like all along, like he says, the, the, the inheritance was always meant to be ours, right? But we just didn't have access to it. And so to say like, it's amazing now Jesus comes and we have access. It, it actually would be enough for us and it would still be an amazing thing if Jesus took us from enemies to slaves, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't just take us from enemies to slaves. He takes us all the way from enemies to heirs. Yeah. And so what he planned for us now is available to us in Christ Jesus. And we don't have to live under the burden of the law. Yeah. And so again, just repeating what Paul says, that the, um, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. So God, the father's acting, mm-hmm. God, the father's, and there's a tr- Trinitarian reality in this whole passage too, that he's, se- he's sending his son born of a woman. So we know the eternal son of God took on human flesh in the womb of our lady and was, you know, the incarnation that we're celebrating in the octave, celebrating the octave of Christmas. It says for those who are born under the law, Jesus was born under the law, mm-hmm. but Jesus perfected the law. Jesus, mm-hmm. the one who actually gave to the father on the cross, the means of salvation. It says, so to redeem those who were under the law, they needed to be bought back. They needed mm-hmm. to be rescued. They needed to be saved. So for what reason to redeem us so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so instead of the law getting us there, which the law, as you said, doesn't get us there, faith is the means. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, th- you know, we can actually fall into this legalism stuff in a way, you know, a wrong relationship to the law. Let me mm-hmm. put it that way. You mean yeah. the commandments still matter. The Ten Commandments matter. Mm-hmm. The laws of God, the laws of the church really matter. Mm-hmm. But we then can reduce Christianity to moral striving, to, mm-hmm. to moral and trying to keep keep track of everything. And at the end of my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. And, mm-hmm. and we bypass the gift. We bypass faith and the fact that really the salvation we give is God's gift to us. It's not something mm-hmm. that we earn, mm-hmm. you know, that we can make a claim on God. But God is acting supernaturally mm-hmm. to make a way for us to become his children, right. to be adopted. Yeah. 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 Paul says in kind of this with this inheritance language a little bit, like the, the money language, he says in another place, I think actually in Galatians, he talks about it might not be Galatians, but he talks about how if if somebody works like if, if you're hired by somebody to do something and you work, then paying you is a just thing to do. Them giving you your wage is a just thing to do. But that's not what we often approach it that way with salvation. I mean, like, God, I did all of these things. Now give me my payment, which is salvation. And Paul's saying salvation isn't your just wage. If God gave you, even after all your good works under the law, if God gave you what is due to you, it would still be damnation. It would not be salvation. Right. And so that the, the change there is Jesus. And I think as just as you're reading, if you've if any of you have listened to the uh, shows we did previously this week, we just ended yesterday's show by talking about the fear of the Lord. And I think this is where when reading scripture and approaching who Jesus is comes in and something like this, like if you just read that line, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law. And so when the Holy Spirit gives us revelation of who Jesus really is. And then we go back and read into scripture, something like that to think about Jesus being born under the law, like Jesus coming to earth. Like there's, that's so shocking, you know, Mm -hmm. to think about with the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And then just thinking of that simple line, Jesus was born of a woman and born under the law. So the thing that was a burden to us that we had to fulfill for salvation, Jesus comes and he makes himself subject to all that we're subject to. 
we just read that stuff so casually. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, Jesus was born, like, the one who came, the one who gave the law came and was born under the law. Yeah. You know, but it connects to the other thing of the fear of the Lord, because when we receive that and when the Holy Spirit enlightens our, enlightens our minds and our hearts, we read about what Jesus has done for us with awe and wonder. And it actually moves us and not just like emotionally, but in a, like a spiritual way. Jesus then is the only one who walked the earth under his own strength that fulfilled the law, mm-hmm. you know. And so we see on the cross, going back to what I was saying earlier, that the cross is the instrument by which the Lord fulfills the law by loving God the Father with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right mm-hmm. to the end, he humbled himself, becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Mm-hmm. And then the adoption comes when we are united to Jesus in baptism, and he communicates to us his own sonship. We're in his body. Mm-hmm. And there's only one who, the Bible says, the one who came from heaven is the one who returns to heaven. And we become part of the body of Christ by becoming adopted children of God, mm-hmm. you know, because people talk a lot about, you know, everybody's a child of God. In in a certain way, you can understand everybody on earth is a child of God in the sense that God, who is infinite love, made them every single person in his image and likeness, infinitely valuable in the eyes of God and profoundly, totally loved by God. Mm-hmm. But what we're talking about here is the thing every human being really needs to become the kind of child of God that's essential. Jesus said, unless you're born again by water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Right. Yeah. You know, it's another way of saying you can't enter mm-hmm. the family of God right. unless you're born again. Yeah. And so yeah. this is what it's about. Yeah. A really, really diluted watered down analogy, just as you're talking, like if you think about if, you know, you're in a family and maybe like one of your kids has like a best friend that's around 24 seven, you know, like when, or when you're in high school, you have that friend that's always over at the house. They eat dinner every night at the house, all this kind of stuff, but they're not in the will because they're not in the blood. Like they might be like family, but they're not in the bloodline. And so yeah. what Jesus has done is he's created a new blood. He's the new Adam, right? He's created a new race of people who, who John chapter one says, not by flesh, not by the will of man, but by the spirit of God are now born of Jesus, you know, are now in this bloodline. And so it's like, we can, we can be over at the house as much as we want or be, you know, like be outside gardening, whatever, doing, be, doing the stuff that a slave does. But unless we receive Jesus by faith and are baptized into God's family, we're not actually in the bloodline. Yeah. You know, so you're that's not a, actually good, an heir. Yeah, that's yeah? good. That's a good analogy. You can miss all that. You missed then the, the giftedness of it all, the grace of it, the yeah. mercy of it all, you know, that uh, because you, it's easy to kind of fall in this pattern. I think a lot of people do who are sort of semi-converted or something where they it's like, okay, I'm just going to keep struggling. I'm struggling in life, trying to be the best person I can be. And then at the end of life, you kind of look, okay, I think I was better more more times than I was bad. And so, okay, so I kind of deserve and this is going to be my destiny instead of saying, no, no, actually it's got almost nothing to do with it in right. a certain way. It's It's got, you first have to be born again and become, this is what God wants to do. He wants to honor his son yeah. and what Jesus has accomplished for us. This mm-hmm. is what every, he's the savior of everyone. Mm-hmm. He's not just the, anyway, let me read. So we're talking about our lady. Let's, uh, I just want to read something from her mother from the catechism 495. It said, called in the gospels, the mother of Jesus, Mary is acclaimed by Elizabeth at the prompting of the spirit and even before the birth of her son as the mother of my Lord. In fact, the one whom she conceived as man by the Holy Spirit, who truly became her son, according to the flesh, was none other than the father's eternal son. 
and the second person of the Holy Trinity. Hence, the church confesses that Mary is truly the mother of God. And that's why we honor there's this unique, absolutely unique gift and position in that she's the mother of God. She's not the mother of God, the Father, the, the Trinity. She's not mm-hmm. the mother of the Trinity. She is the mother of the Son of God, the incarnate Son of God, who was conceived in her womb. And that's the truth. That's a fact. And so we also know, and it talks about in the Catechism, that Mary, who, who participates so uniquely in all this saving work of Jesus by her yes, which you can talk about tomorrow a little bit more because we're kind of running out of time, but but Mary herself was preserved from original mm-hmm. sin by the saving work of her son, Jesus Christ, right. that by the decision of the Father and the, and the blood of Jesus essentially was applied mm-hmm. to her life mm-hmm. in her, at her conception. Right. And so she's really saved by her own son, which is a beautiful, yeah. beautiful thing. Right. Again, and the, the catechism yeah. talks about actually that, that immaculate conception. This is where it goes back to this passage, too, is said when the time had fully come, or in the fullness of time, the catechism talks about how the, the beginning of that fullness of time, the Father appointed that was at Mary's immaculate conception. So when the beginning of the salvific work started was when Mary was immaculately conceived, not just when Jesus came, but because Jesus' blood was working in her life to preserve, that was the fullness of time. Yeah, well, that's very, was that Irenaeus who said that? I don't think so. I think it was just in the catechism. Oh, I see the catechism. Okay, I thought it was a quote of Arianus. But anyway, well, Rach, it's great being with you. Can you come back tomorrow? Sure. Okay. Friends, I hope you're enjoying the programs this week. We're just celebrating the wonder of God and the wonderful things he's done for all of us that we can celebrate and declare. God bless you. Have a good day. Hope to hear from you. See you tomorrow. Bye. Each program of Fire on the Earth with Peter Herbeck can be downloaded at AveMariaRadio.net and RenewalMinistries.net. Fire on the Earth is a production of Ave Maria Radio. Friends, I'd like to offer you my new booklet, Receiving Fire. Jesus said, I have come to cast fire on the earth, would that it were already ablaze. That fire is the purifying love that burns in the heart of Jesus. A fire of grace for those who receive it, but a fire of judgment for those who refuse it. If you'd like a copy of this free booklet, call 1-800-282-4789 or contact us on the web at renewalministries.net slash FOE. That's renewalministries.net slash FOE.